What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul Potty, once again, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? All right, and we're back with another one of our draft breakdown videos on another quarterback prospect. This one might be one of a very unique prospect, I'd say, and someone who's really shot up in recent times, and it's Anthony Richardson. Uh we're going to do a very similar pod to last time where we just break down at first his stats, basic stats, some of what other people said, and then we'll get into a game-by-game talk about what we thought about him, and we'll round it off with a, a little bit of grading and round projection, very similar to the Stroud one we did last week. If you haven't seen that already, go check it out. Uh, but with, without any, if you have nothing else to say, PD, I'll get into his seasons. All right, go for it. All right, Anthony Richardson had definitely a much less impressive college career than CJ Stroud, so it won't take me not won't take me as long to read off all the things he's done. Uh, in twenty twenty one, he had his redshirt freshman season. He played seven games in that, but it really wasn't seven games worth of college film. Uh, he was about fifty nine point four completion percentage, uh, only five hundred and twenty nine yards passing. Six touchdowns, five picks with another 400 yards and three touchdowns on the run. Uh, not really much to say there other than that he was uh, all-SEC freshman for what it's worth. But, yeah, not not much to see there. And then the main season that's broken him out as a top prospect in this year's uh, draft is his 2022 season, his sophomore year. Uh, he won 12 games – or he played 12 games that year. Uh, with a 53.8 completion percentage, threw for about 2,550 yards uh, with 17 touchdowns and nine picks and another 650 yards and nine touchdowns rushing. Uh, he didn't really have any big-time honors or all-SEC teams, that sort of thing, which surprises me for a prospect of this caliber, but it's expected given the nature of his college career, I suppose. Uh, for whatever it's worth, he was on the Netflix show QB1 his senior year, and I do remember watching him. I kind of forgot to connect the dots till just now. Uh, but overall, a very pedestrian college career, as you can see. But uh, I'll go over his combine numbers, because what really people like is, I guess, his film. But what really made him stick out are his col- combine rom- numbers, and they're pretty unreal. Uh, he's 6'4", 244, which is... 66 percentile on the height, 96 percentile on the weight for quarterbacks. Uh, but either way, is very, very solid size, of course. He ran a 4.43 40-yard dash, which is 98 percentile. Uh, a 1.53 second 10-yard split, which is 96 percentile. His broad jump was 10 feet 9 inches, which is 99 percentile. His vertical jump was 40 and a half inches, which is also 99 percentile. And these don't matter too much to me, but uh, he was 95% in hand size, uh, if you care about that. And he was 75% in arm strength, which surprised me a little bit. I, w- I would probably say he's a bit higher than that, but still a very strong arm. His athleticism score was 99% obviously. He's possibly the best prospect we've really seen. And overall production score was 70%. Just a overall crazy combine. Uh, any thoughts on that, PD? No, I mean, like, I think that's pretty evident in the film of how insane of an athlete he is. He's incredible um, just from his physical gifts, but um, as we kind of get into it, I think he's extremely good at leveraging those gifts as well. 
Um, so maybe we can kind of just start to break him down a little bit. Oh, yeah, 100%. And before we get into the game-by-game plays, I'll talk quickly about a scouting report for NFL.com, kind of like how I did last time, just to give you all the gist of what type of player he is. And as an overview, the NFL.com says Anthony Richardson has off-the-charts athleticism, both inside and outside the pocket, but is so incredibly raw that he has a long way to go to be a starting NFL quarterback. Uh, He leaves the pocket too early and too often to miss open reads and to attempt more difficult throws. But when he's locked in, he has the potential to be a franchise-altering talent. And as we get into it, I'd say a lot of what they said is where we, we agree with that in terms of his play style. I think me and PD have talked about Anthony Richardson off camera. There is a lot of what we agree about on what we see on the field. I think what the biggest question mark with him and I guess all boom bust prospects with him is translation to the NFL. And with that being said, I guess we can start talking about his college career. And yeah, you want to get into that, PD? Yeah, so let's start with the first time he really got an extended period on the field. And we're going back to 2021 uh, for this one against LSU. So we're going to start only in the second half because that's the point where uh, Emory Jones was benched. And like to kind of set the scene for um, why Richardson in this game was in this game, there was a lot of like weird stuff with Emory Jones and Richardson going in and out of the lineup and just a bunch of confusing coaching decisions from that standpoint of not really playing one quarterback um, for a long stretch of plays. Just very weirdly managed um, from Florida. And I think it's kind of reflected in the fan sentiment of how they viewed the coach. But just getting into the second half of of Richardson um, in the LSU game, I thought he played pretty well for a player who was getting uh, his first real action in college. Um, finished with a .41 points per play uh, number, which is very good um, for a college quarterback. 56% perfect pass rate, which is extremely good, especially when you consider that he's targeting guys that are about 15 yards down the field on average. So extremely, extremely good output from Richardson. Um, and really, he showed off incredible velocity, I think, in this game. Um, I think my favorite throw, though, uh, was his touchdown with about four minutes left in the third quarter where he kind of just lofts uh, the ball uh, over a linebacker to Damian Pierce for a touchdown. And that was really strong evidence for the first time that uh, I thought Richardson could control his velocity as like a physical thing. Like he has a strong kind of hand-eye coordination and um, the ability to, you know, change the way he grips the ball to make it more of a touch throw. Um, also want to mention he threw a really good deep shot down the right sideline for a 33-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. Um, and of course, like as with many games in his career, he had uh, an elite rushing game, forced four missed tackles and ran for um, 39 yards on design runs. Um, but unfortunately, towards the end of the game, he did throw a backbreaking interception, which is pretty horrible. Um, so that does bring back his uh, impact. So um, st- uh, kind of a mixed bag at the end there, but I, I was impressed from this pr- first performance. Yeah, mostly similar thoughts for me for a quarterback to kind of get thrown in in a game like that. Uh, It was against LSU, and UF-LSU is obviously a big SEC game, and for a redshirt freshman to come in and play the way he did, uh, I can't be too mad at it. I agree that that interception at the end is not only like a problem for that game, but 
has kind of become an issue for me in general with him. Uh, his ability to just throw away games almost, you could say, uh, with poor decisions. But in this one, there was a lot less of those poor decisions. Uh, as PD said, he, he was quite accurate in this one compared to, uh, I'd say, a lot of his other games, despite what the numbers say. Uh, he did have a couple of highlight plays, and he led a pretty high-level offense in this one. So for a first start, I was pretty impressed, especially when it's his first year. Uh, I do think he went a long ways after this one. He's a night and day player in 2022. But it was definitely a nice introduction to him. And I think he rounded off this season a lot worse in the next game we're going to talk about uh, versus UGA. And I can't blame him too much. UGA was the number one team in the country all year with the number one defense in the country all year. So that's naturally going to be a tough one for a redshirt freshman in a second start. Uh, but I'll let PD get into the nitty gritty of that game. Yeah, this one was a pretty rough game. Um, I mean, th- there was a number of plays um, in this one where I thought both the offensive line and the receivers just completely gave Anthony Richardson no chance to make any plays. Um, this one, he was kind of accurate again, 61% perfect pass rate and an average depth of target number of eight and a half. So definitely forcing shorter passes um, than, than the previous game. Um, but the thing that was, was really frustrating with Richardson was that um, both of the turnover worthy plays that he had were, were pretty awful. The pick six to end the first half was pretty abominable. And he also had a fumble um, on a run in the, in the second quarter. So both of those are really harmful for his impact. Um, he barely pushed the ball down the field um, accurately throughout the game. And kind of like the only thing that's holding up that accuracy percentage with the average depth of target number is like he has a couple passes beyond 10 yards. So he's either like throwing accurately short or just nothing is happening. Um, and so, you know, he never really got into a rhythm because the receivers weren't really separating. Um and yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really have many takeaways other than a very young quarterback struggling against maybe the best defense in the modern era. So, yeah. Yeah, we talked a lot in last episode, the C.J. Stroud one, about a talent gap and how there were certain games where Stroud just could go out there and do whatever because his team was that much better. Uh, it kind of felt like the opposite in this one against UGA. As PD mentioned, it was one of the <clears throat> best college defenses in like this uh, modern era. And Richardson really struggled. And I think the Florida offense kind of struggled as a whole. They weren't really getting a whole lot of separation down the field in general. They weren't a downfield threat whatsoever as a whole because that UGA front seven was just so nasty that year. And kind of just let Richardson throw it short, as PD was saying. And that didn't really impress me too much, but I do understand why it was happening. It wasn't necessarily the best situation for him. But I do completely agree that this game was another example of him just throwing back-breaking interceptions that you just can't have. If he came out of this game without mistakes like that, I wouldn't have even been too upset at him because accuracy-wise, in terms of what he could do, uh, he kind of maximized it. But the mistakes are what's always going to be a problem with him, especially in this first season, the 2021 season. Uh, The mistakes were rampant. And uh, that worries me, but it is something that hopefully he fixes as he goes into the NFL because 
he didn't quite fix it in the 2022 season, which I'll allow PD to get into. Yeah, so let's transition to the 2022 season, and we'll start off with week one against Utah. And this was kind of a hyped-up game between two ranked teams. Um, and Utah's defense isn't very good, and that kind of let Anthony Richardson kind of um, play, play a pretty very very strong game. Um, the highlight play, of course, was this monster 45-yard run, run he had uh, at, towards the end of the second quarter. Um, broke multiple tackles. And, uh, broke one tackle on that scramble and um, raced down the sideline to for that 45-yard touchdown. Um, he did have a couple of missed throws on two pretty open receivers, um, one to his receiver Reynolds and the other one to Justin Shorter. Um, but, like, I don't know. I was I was pretty impressed with the way he played, mainly because of that incredible run, and he had a few explosive plays um, particularly this one tight window throw to Pearsall towards the end of the third quarter. I thought that was very impressive. And then a number of like runs where he just broke a bunch of tackles and, and um, got way more yardage than he probably should have. Um, his total for this game in terms of missed tackles was six. He forced six missed tackles in that game, but only a 34.7% perfect pass rate, which is pretty abysmal. And, um, only a 6.6 average depth of target. So the rushing is doing a lot of work here, but I was impressed with the way he played overall. Yeah, to me, this game was when Anthony Richardson really bursted onto the national scene. Because honestly, in 2021, when it was happening, I didn't know too much about Anthony Richardson. I hadn't heard about him. But this game really put him, I think, on the radar of NFL scouts throughout the year. And it's honestly one of the games I was more impressed by throughout his season this year. Uh, and I kind of wish he built more upon it in some of these other games because he does have some duds here and there. But this Utah game was very, very impressive early on. It was a major win versus a high-ranked Utah team. And Florida at the time was just barely ranked, trying to get higher up. The season didn't necessarily go the way they wanted to, but this was a major statement in that category. And in this one, Anthony Richardson finally, to me, showed that highlight high level play that we can see and we can potentially see as a boom sort of uh scenario where he if he is this level uh consistently rushing he can be really really scary obviously pd mentioned that 40 yard touchdown run that was very very impressive and i believe got added to a bunch of highlight films and uh clips all over twitter uh I do remember he won, like, SEC Offensive Player of the Week this week as well. So just an overall very, very impressive uh, game from him. And this one also impressed me because he not only was elite on the run, but I feel like he kind of used that threat to also be an elite passer because he wasn't throwing dimes all over the field, but he was getting the job done in that sect as well, and he was doing it more accurately than a lot of his other games, which impressed me. I do think Utah's kind of lack of secondary helped uh, the UF receivers have a better time in this game again, uh, compared to a lot of their other games where they were kind of locked up. But in this one, everything clicked, and it was a very, very impressive game for me. Yep. So let's follow that up with maybe a not-so-impressive game in week two of their season against Kentucky. So 
This one was a little bit of a tough one to watch because the number of awful plays by the receivers is just pretty jarring to, to see. It's like maybe five, six times that the receivers mess up, and it's like very obvious that they mess up. Um, so, yeah, that, that was that was pretty rough to see. Richardson himself didn't play very well. Had a couple of highlight plays. Uh, I want to highlight this tight window throw to Henderson with about four minutes left in the first quarter. Um, just kind of a beautiful pass outside the numbers on, on the right side to, to Henderson. And then, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of it. Um, he has a pretty disastrous interception in the flat uh, when he's trying to target his tight end zipper. Um, yeah, just really doesn't work it around the line. And that, that wasn't, that's not really like uh, a consistent thing for Richardson, but that does demonstrate how, how kind of poor his feel was at the beginning of the season. Um, because to me, that's not really something that any quarterback should, that's not really something that any quarterback should struggle with. It's just really throwing the ball in the flat. Um, and, you know, you just have to find a way to get the ball to your receiver in that spot. Um, and then he does have uh, a play where he fumbled the ball behind the line of scrimmage and scrambled for four yards. So that was another turnover-worthy play that I had to record. But yeah, I mean, they just really struggled to move the ball in this one. Um, 51.7% perfect pass rate for Richardson uh, with an 11 A dot. So they were trying to push the ball down the field, but it really wasn't happening. Um, some failure from the Florida offense on this part, on their part, uh, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I do think Richardson could have definitely played better. Oh yeah, this game was a game that I think both Anthony Richardson and Will Levis supporters have kind of bound together and kind of used as an example as like, okay, this is why these guys do not have good stats. Because if you watch this game, you'll see not only from Richardson, but not to as much of an extent for Levis, but both players were absolutely sold by their receivers. And it's a theme for both of them throughout the year, but it was very much apparent in this one. And I'm not going to throw the blame on all of them because I do believe kind of throughout the game, you felt a little bit of a disconnect kind of that Richardson and his receivers simply weren't on the same page. They had no sort of way of getting open and Richardson wasn't really helping out in sorts of throwing them open or I guess somehow, some way getting that offense together because it was kind of just abysmal to watch. Uh, it was very just very clearly bad offense. And there were a lot of opportunities, as PD mentioned, with short throws in the flat screens where Richardson kind of messed up. I do think early on when things weren't going his way, it did kind of get in his head a, a little bit, maybe a little lack of confidence there, I, I sensed. And it, it definitely derailed the rest of his game. He wasn't very accurate at all in this one. Had two interceptions, which in my opinion were either – it seemed to be his fault. I don't know if there was some mis kind of miscommunication, but in my opinion, they were definitely not uh, – the best plays for him. And I, it was a little disappointing to see this game after that Utah game to follow that with that. And Kentucky's defense this year wasn't necessarily uh, the best defense in the world either. Kentucky was a similar team to Florida where they were ranked early in the year and kind of fell off. So their ranking in this one doesn't necessarily signify good talent on that defense. So overall, I was not impressed with that one. And, uh, I just yeah, yeah, not not a particularly good performance from the Florida offense at all. 
Um, yeah. And Richardson definitely was a big part of that. So let's move on to the USF game, where this is not particularly much better. Uh, why don't you get us started off here? Yeah, the USF game, I felt very similar to that Kentucky game. Maybe not quite as big of a, his team letting him down. And I'd say this one was a lot more on him. Because USF does get to that point where USF does not have talent to overpower Florida. It's kind of like the previous two teams had. So this is definitely more of a level playing field. And it allowed Richardson to do his thing a little bit more. And when he was allowed to do his thing, he still did not quite impress like he did in that week one performance. To me in this one, he was still quite uh, inaccurate. The two interceptions he threw in this one were on him, in my opinion. There, uh, Once again, might have been a miscommunication, but from what I saw, I believe those to be his fault. And just overall didn't impress. He was shut down in the run game as well. Uh, any thoughts on that, PD? Yeah, I mean... There's one big completion here um, where I thought he hit uh, Whitmore um, in stride for a 26-yard gain. And then there's a 30-yard completion where he just kind of throws up a jump ball and uh, Justin Shorter bails him out. But yeah, really like nothing to save this performance, especially when you consider that I thought both of those interceptions were pretty awful from Richardson. This first one, he's he throws it way behind Pearsall and... Another one where he just completely underthrew Justin Shorter to kill the game. So, yeah, pretty pretty rough performance again. Um, but it does get better because from this point on, I don't think there's anything quite as rough as this. I think this is quite yeah. probably as bad as it gets. Yeah, and before we move on from this game, I do want to say off camera, me and PD had been talking about Anthony Richardson for a while. And it was at this point I was starting to question where the Anthony Richardson hype comes from. Because having watched the five games or so we've talked about so far, uh, I really didn't see the crazy highlight plays that excite me to the point where he became a number top five prospect. Because, you know, when you have a player that's so boomer bust, it's normally because they're in a bad situation, but you saw flashes. And to me, at this point, Anthony Richardson had not shown those flashes yet. However, that does change and improve a lot in this next week, and I'll let you get started in this kind of bounce-back performance against Tennessee. Yeah, so Richardson was asked to do a lot in this game. Um, I think he ended up with, like, over 500 total yards um, in this game. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that that total number is not lying. So um, digging into what I charted, the 48.6% perfect pass rate – um, 15.2 a dot. Those are not stellar marks, but that 15.2 a dot, you can kind of see um, where it's kind of going because they are pushing the ball down the field very aggressively. And I'm not even going to spend uh, too much time going over how many big throws that he made in this game. Um, just know that it's about seven of them that he made um, that were explosive down the field gains. And yeah, I mean Tennessee definitely an offensively slanted team, but. Doing that against a team that's ranked and clearly superior to Florida, I thought that was the moment that he kind of uh, showed out and showed who he really could be. Um, A number of incredible plays on the ground in this one as well. Um, Broke a ton of miss, uh, forced a ton of missed tackles um, from the defense. Just really kind of dominated the defense uh, from start to finish. He does have uh, one play uh, on a run where he fumbled the ball, um, but 
I don't think that's something to really think about long term. I don't really think that uh, long term fumbling is an issue for him. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's it's probably not um, going to be something I take away and like ding his draft grade for. Um, so yeah, just super impressed with the performance despite the shoddy accuracy number. And yeah, I mean, the impact kind of comes from pushing the ball down the field in this one. When I said that Utah was when uh, Anthony Richardson kind of burst onto the scene, I'd say this Tennessee game is where he really solidified himself and that top quarterback sort of realm in the, uh, I guess, prospect world. Because not only was this him, this game was hyped up because at this point we started to see Hendon Hooker start to get things rolling. So this was kind of – and this pre-injury uh, Hendon Hooker as well. So this was a very hyped matchup between two people who could have potentially been like higher draft picks. Obviously, things changed for each of these quarterbacks. But at the time, it was a very, very massive matchup between two SEC powers at this point in the season, Tennessee being ranked top 12 at this point, I believe. And Richardson really, really showed out in a very hyped performance. Uh, I read the stats earlier. He had about 3,000 yards total on the season, as PD said. This game, he had 500 of them. So a sixth of his whole season's yards came in this one. And the numbers don't lie on that one, just like he said. There are tons of big plays, a lot of big-time throws that were absolutely game-swinging. And it was almost like watching a Big 12 matchup more than an SEC matchup with the amount of big plays and back-and-forth we were saying, also a high-scoring game. Uh, He showed his worth on the run here as well. Uh, for the first time again since that Utah game, uh, he absolutely dusted Tennessee. It wasn't necessarily uh, as impressive as Utah because we didn't get that big highlight run, but it was more similar to what we can expect from him on a game-to-game basis because he's not going to have that big highlight every time, especially not in the league. But adding two touchdowns to his passing stats in this one on the run was absolutely incredible for him. And... Definitely one of – I'd say this is the first uh, – next game after that Utah game where I was very, very much impressed by him and started to see that hype even more. And moving on from that one, I think he continues that kind of into the Eastern Washington matchup where in this one, I think he his team clearly has the uh, talent advantage and he definitely showed it and showed out once again. Yeah, I mean – 50, so the game starts with a pass uh, from Richardson uh, on Florida's first drive where he hits Justin Shorter 50 yards down the field, um, and that results in a 75-yard touchdown. So that's kind of kind of set the tone. Um, his second play his, his second play is a 45-yard run uh, from the 18-yard line. Um, so gigantic gain on the second play as well as uh, the first one. Um, and the Florida offense just kind of chunks their way to an easy win. Um, I do want to highlight him throwing a pretty atrocious interception um, where he was just kind of not really pressured, but um, he just kind of chucks up a ball uh, kind of 60 yards down the field and it's horribly underthrown and results in a pick. So uh, that was the first play of the third quarter. Pretty bad play from him there. Um, and yeah, other than that, um, actually, even with that, um, a pretty spectacular day. And without that, um, 
probably one of the most efficient games of the season. So, um, yeah, just total domination here by Florida. Yeah, this was total domination by Florida as a whole and Richardson as well, like you said. Uh, he didn't really have to even finish this game. I believe his backup quarterback quarterback played just as much as him. And this kind of was a similar game to some of Stroud's, as I was talking about with Ohio State, where there's a very, very, very clear mismatch in talent. I mean, Eastern Washington is not a top-tier D1 school, and Florida kind of just manhandled them in every way. And Richardson really showed that when given the time and when given open receivers, he can't hit them. But to me, as an NFL prospect, it didn't uh, necessarily move me as much as some of the other games may have. I thought there was such a talent disparity in this one that all he proved is he can hit open receivers in space and get it to them in stride. But I feel like almost any high-level NCAA quarterback in a matchup like this should have been able to do this. So even though his numbers look very, very impressive, it didn't move me as much as some of the other games may have. Uh, He did have that highlight rushing play in this one that we didn't see in the other one. And I'm sure we would see a lot more had he actually played a regular amount in this one. But I mean, the score was getting run up too quick and maybe that didn't necessarily get Richardson in as many situations to where he could have moved me. But nonetheless, it wasn't it was more of a positive, but for sure, but definitely not a major needle mover. All right. Speaking of games that were not needle major needle movers, um, let's transition yes. to this Missouri game. For me, um, I was not very impressed with this Missouri game, mainly because he threw uh, a dropped interception where he just kind of threw it to Justin Shorter when he was covered. And um, yeah, I mean, not a very a good day overall. He also had a sack fumble um, that's really hurting him in terms of impact. Um, He does make up for it somewhat, though, with a monster 32-yard run where he broke two uh, tackles from defenders on on the scramble. Um, But, yeah, other than that, not really um, anything special. Oh, I do want to highlight the touchdown pass that he had um, with about 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. He just fired the ball um, on a third and three. Um, from the nine-yard line. So a nine-yard touchdown pass there into a really tight window. So that does help his um, his overall grade for me, but pretty atrocious uh, overall grade, uh, 0.05, 0.05 points per play, which is very, very far below um, what we would expect from a college quarterback. So um, not the greatest day there. Um, yeah, any other thoughts that you want to add? Uh, Yeah, I think this game also was a little bit tough to judge Richardson based off because at the end of the day, Florida is not trying to show off Richardson's abilities and they're trying to win football games. And here, this was a game where Florida really controlled a lot of what was going on throughout and they were in the lead for most of it. Yet, uh, Missouri was still within striking range to take the lead and Florida saw a weakness in the run game, uh, or Missouri's run defense, rather, and they really just attacked that aspect of the field. All of their running backs had great days, including Anthony Richardson, who also had a very, very good rushing day in this one. And I think Florida kind of just smelt blood in the second half in terms of rushing and just took over. So once again, not a major uh, major needle mover. He didn't do too much for me to change my perspective on him 
But it once again led me to question where all the hype is coming from. Because although it's not necessarily his fault that he is in that situation, I'm still not seeing enough of those highlight plays for me to, you know, really think of him as a top five caliber quarterback. Uh, but maybe this next matchup might change that. Uh, and sure, <laughs> it sure does it. Um, yeah, I mean, the highlights from this game, I can still hear Joe Tessitore's voice Uh from the number of times I've seen that that run. Um, so let's jump right to it. Uh, in the fourth quarter, first play uh, of that quarter, he has an 81-yard run where he uh, scrambles to his left, um, breaks one tackle, breaks another two, uh, fends off another guy, and rolls all the way for an 81-yard touchdown. Probably the most uh, impressive play of the entire process that I've seen so far from a quarterback uh, in this draft. Um, especially from an impact standpoint because it's 81 yards and he did it all himself. Um, but that wasn't the only highlight in the game because he started off this game with a monster 51-yard touchdown pass um, off a of play action to, uh, I think this is Justin Shorter, yeah, to Justin Shorter, and it was in a tight window on that post route that he threw. So very impressive play there. Um, other than that, there's only a couple plays here and there. He does have a nice throw uh, to Pierce for a 20-yard gain where he pushed it uh, 15 yards past the line of scrimmage late in the second quarter, um, and another 14 and 30-yard gains um, on back-to-back passes where uh, he hit shorter and Pearsall in tight windows. Um, so those were pretty impressive plays. But, you know, like the Florida offense couldn't really get um, anything going in terms of consistency, um, and I think that was really in part due to Richardson's kind of shoddy accuracy overall. Only a 40. 40- 40% perfect pass rate in this one. And that's kind of despite only pushing the ball seven yards past the line of scrimmage. Um, and that gets even more ugly when you consider the fact that um, the first pass of the game, like I mentioned, was uh, traveled 52 yards in the air. So they were really throwing the ball short and his accuracy was still abysmal. Um, actually, maybe I shouldn't say still for Richardson because his accuracy kind of seems to be more relatively abysmal the shorter it gets. But um, yeah, that, that was kind of my thoughts on the game, uh, kind of previewing a little bit of the final thoughts, maybe on accident. But yeah, what what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, man. <laughs> when I was saying I lacked those big splash plays, he definitely answered those uh, in this LSU game. And I'll agree with PD on this one. Having watched all these quarterbacks, all these plays, no one's touched that 81-yard touchdown from Anthony Richardson. I'm sure everyone has seen this probably on Twitter or something at this point. Uh, I can't really explain it much better than PD. That, w- that was just an incredible play, as well as that play right to start the game, out of the gate, to get that big touchdown early on. Uh, this is obviously a ma- massive matchup against LSU, and getting such a big splash play on the board so early uh, was very, very impressive. But one thing that still bothers me about Anthony Richardson and it showed up again in this one is he did have that big splash play but unfortunately that accounted for a lot of his passing yardage that day and probably for the rest of the game he didn't necessarily have any passing plays that moved me or particularly impressed me and this is a game where I felt like he was in a situation where he needed to do that we talked about the previous two where he was kind of put in odd situations. But this LSU game was 
against a very similarly talented team. A uh, very big matchup for them as well. And it was back and forth. He did need to kind of show out and do more. And as PD mentioned, his accuracy just wasn't there. And it was on a lot of short passes as well. This wasn't a Florida game where they were able to just open up the field. Because LSU did have a very tough defense. Uh, I guess in this game, maybe not necessarily this year. Uh, even if the score doesn't reflect it. Because there was all those splash plays, uh, as we mentioned. Uh, it was still tough for them. And in this... Richardson didn't, like, take his team over the top by making plays consistently. But I did see in this one more than a lot of those other games uh, why people are very high on him. Because when you see a play like uh, his best ones in this one, you really do think what can be. Uh, but I still, still, still need a lot, little bit more consistency from this man. Uh, we are unfortunately not going to get consistency from the next yeah, matchup because definitely. that one that one is against Georgia. And um, I don't think he actually played poorly overall, but the accuracy is just not there. 48.5% perfect pass rate um, on a 14.7 A dot. And the reason that I said that I don't think he played that poorly uh, despite those numbers is that he had a number of really big explosive plays. Um, I'm just start with the first one here um, where he had – uh, incredible tight window pass down the left sideline to Justin Shorter uh, for a 41-yard gain. So that was a pretty fantastic throw. Um, he also had a nice throw um, for a 78-yard touchdown uh, to Henderson in late in the third quarter. And that one was deceptively tight window because there was a secondary player there, kind of jumped to get his arm out. Um, and it looked wide open because he didn't really have anyone in front of him after he caught the ball. But Richardson had to put some velocity and touch on that. So I thought that was a pretty impressive throw. Um, and then he does have another 20-yard completion um, where he found Shorter wide open. Um, another 19-yard completion. A fantastic 14-yard run where he broke three tackles uh, on a scramble for those 14 yards. Um, and then one last play uh, where he... Came up with a 35-yard gain um, with a tight window throw to Henderson. Um, so a number of impressive plays in this one, but um, he does have a pretty poor intentional grounding, which I'm going to count as a sack, obviously. Um, and a number of missed throws, like I said, the 48.5% perfect pass rate. So um, I did come away from this one thinking that he had enough impact for them to have a chance against, like, a normal team, but Georgia's obviously not a normal team, so they weren't winning that game anyway. Uh, yeah, I think this game was highly swayed by the difference in talent. Once again, he was facing a Georgia team just like last year, which was incredible defensively. I think that just make, made things way too tough on him. I mean, there was multiple first-rounders on that uh, defensive line, and they kind of just manhandled that Florida offensive line. And that's why you see so many sacks and so many pressures, the bad uh, uh, throwaway that PD mentioned that cost them 15. Uh, this was just tough for him. And I did start to see him figure it out a little bit almost, use his athleticism a bit more in that second half to kind of rally his offense together and score some. And that is what impressed me, that despite a big talent difference and despite being beat down to start, uh, Richardson still pulled it together and had a number of highlight plays in this one. 
and in this one, I almost excuse him for the lack of consistency because, I mean, he's kind of just doing the best with what he could, what he has. Uh, the splash plays came every now and then when uh, he there was a bit of a lapse in that Georgia defense and he was immediate to take advantage. But the accuracy issues just don't kind of don't concern me in this one uh, because a lot of it was just his receivers not getting open. Uh, so this game was definitely not compared to some of the previous games we've talked about as negative for me, uh, even though statistically it didn't look too great. Uh, what did concern me a bit was even though he did have one impressive run that you mentioned, PD, his overall rushing performance in this one was not great. And Florida did try that quite a bit because they really had nothing else to go to. They were hoping for a splash Anthony Richardson play, I suppose. And he really wasn't able to get anything. And yeah, Georgia is a good defense, but I do think he'll face uh, similar level defenses with obviously better talent around him. But uh, it did raise to concern me a little bit more uh, in this one, whether he can have that splash uh, offensive uh, rushing impact when he is playing against faster defenders. Uh, hopefully it was just uh, just a massive mismatch in this one and nothing to worry about long-term, but that, that was the only thing that concerned me in this one. And I guess we can move on to a game which maybe wasn't so concerning in the A&M game. Yeah, I want to address that thing that you said with with the rushing thing. I think it's possible that it's just noise because we're just like we're working with very small samples, right? So yeah, he made uh, multiple splash throws. So there are splash Uh plays to be had. So it's not like I don't think it's like. Him just yeah. totally dying out in terms of impact from... Yeah, and honestly, I did like it a bit from him because most of the splash plays that I've talked about to this point with him have been rushing plays. So I did want to see a game where he kind of just had all of his impact just passing the ball because he's going to need to be able to do that. And we did see it here, so I, I will give him that. All right, speaking of explosive rushing plays, um, this Texas A&M game has... Another explosive rushing yeah. at the end of the first quarter, um, Richardson Richardson just bursts up the sideline for a sixty-yard touchdown. So a monster play there. Um, the rest of the game also featured um, a bunch of downfield plays, um, despite the fact that he only had a forty-six point one percent perfect pass rate. Um, he was making good use of those perfect passes because the Florida offense was generating massive chunks here: um, 17, 23, 18, 21, 19. Um, 21 like a bunch of explosive plays in this game um not really anything other than that 60 yard one that went for over 35 ish type yards but um i think richardson made a number of great plays and especially i want to highlight this touchdown pass that he had late in the third or no early in the third quarter um he just fired the ball um in a tight window to his receiver frazier's and it was on the money outside the numbers um on the left I think it was, and yeah, that one really impressed me in terms of velocity and placement in that tight window. Um, yeah, more evidence for the explosive playmaking that he can complete. Yeah, I one thing I really, really liked about this game is I felt like this was the first game where he took that rushing impact, he took that passing impact, and finally put it together for a complete game. And I think this is what we saw in this AM and And when he was able to do that, this Florida offense looked amazing. They were running in full gears. 
And I think that's something similar he can do in the NFL if things go right. And this is where I started to see that hype because he really puts it together in this one. Obviously, PD mentioned that 60-yard uh, offensive uh, rushing uh, touchdown. Uh, plays like that are absolute game changers. And when you have a player that can just do that uh, in a blink of an eye, really, uh, it really adds a lot to the offense. And throughout the game passing also, he was very, very good. Texans a- Texas A&M's uh, secondary wasn't necessarily the best in this one. And it allowed for uh, Richardson to have a lot of things open downfield. And he hit him on the money. And that's really all you can ask for for that. So I was very, very impressed with this one for the most part. One thing that started to concern me in this game, and I guess kind of this portion of the season as a whole, uh, I started to feel like he was taking a little bit more pressure, a little bit more sacks in these. And it didn't necessarily lead to a lot of bad decisions because he would kind of just take the hit or throw it away. But I did start to feel a little bit in these games where he starts to do a little too much. And I know him being the athlete he is, all-time great uh, combine numbers. He's going to want to play make and do the most he can at all times. But we've seen the other quarterbacks in recent years with a lot of athleticism kind of try to do a bit too much sometimes, and that led to a running into sack issue or, you know, just kind of breaking the rhythm of the play. Uh, because when you get to the NFL, you're not going to be able to break the edge as often and be able to make all those uh, explosive and playmaking plays at the rate you can in college. So I'm hoping he does build a little bit more patience in the pocket and tries to dissect the defense a little more. Because uh, this portion of the season, I was really starting to feel him bail and try to do too much. Yeah, there's a number of plays for Richardson where um, he kind of tries to do his own thing. Yeah. But I think um, more often than not, he's going to get what he wants to get. Um, the number yeah. I'm going to uh, suggest as evidence is he has a, 10%, a sub-10% pressure to sack rate, which is an elite, elite number. Um and, you know, like, um, in, even in the games where the pressure is, like, really, really ramped up, like, you can go back to, I guess, the, the Tennessee game because he played under a, a huge volume of pressure or uh, the LSU or Georgia games. He took a combined four sacks in those games when he was faced with 64 pressure. So that's that's a lot uh, of pressure, and he doesn't really um, end up taking a sack because I think that athleticism is so overpowering that it could kind of – get him out of trouble with a scramble or just kind of a throwaway um, almost always. And that that's a really important skill to have, even if it kind of seems like the, the structure of the play um, is being kind of ruined by him at times. Um, overall, I think it's going to end up being an, a huge net positive because of the amount of sacks that he can kind of avoid uh, overall. Yeah, one thing I will put my hands up about is I will not question anything about Richardson's athleticism because uh, he is absolutely insane and an athlete I've never seen before at the quarterback position. So when for most a lot of quarterbacks, you can say like what you ex- see in college in terms of athletic crazy plays won't translate to the league. But Richardson's one of those unique players where you're right. He definitely can translate. 
the issue with that is athleticism is something that's always dwindling. And we've even seen with guys like Lamar and Cam where they will have one elite rushing year or two elite rushing years. But after a little bit, they have to change their game because it's just not feasible to consistently rely on the rushing. And Richardson's big enough to where he's not doing a lot of cute rushing quarterback type of plays where he's sliding or getting out of bounds a lot. He is taking hits. And something like relying on athleticism to this degree on something that's always dwindling uh, is a tough thing for me to invest in, especially when it's a top five prospect, Uh, I guess, going ahead a little bit. Uh, Because I do see the flashes and the flashes excite me for sure. But like, I still haven't seen anything from him as a passer to make me think he can do it consistently at the next level. All right, we caught a little bit into um, uh, maybe maybe a little ahead, but a little ahead. We'll we'll get there in like fifteen minutes. Let's get yeah. to the South Carolina game, where I thought again he played pretty well, but the consistency there was just um, very very poor in my opinion. Forty three and a half percent perfect pass rate in this one, um, and a nine average depth of target. Um, and he does have a sack fumble in this one, which I thought was pretty bad, um, which he did end up recovering himself. And they just really couldn't get anything going down the field. Um, they had one play where Richardson broke off a 23-yard run. Um, where he just used his burst to just um, totally beat the defenders down the down the right side. But, I mean, they really couldn't get anything going in this one, like I said. And it's not even against a superb defense uh, in South Carolina. So, um, yeah, just not a huge fan of, of the way that the offense played overall. Especially in that second half. Uh, yeah. This game was getting back to uh, kind of those out-of-his-control type of situations. And I think this game, uh, Florida took such an advantage so early on. They no longer needed to rely on him necessarily. And again, it's not necessarily his fault if like his running backs getting you know consistent yardage and... The team wants to rely on the run game. So I can't blame him for it, but it's also just becomes a game that doesn't move me too much or, if anything, kind of negatively moves me because I didn't love his accuracy on the throws he did have. Uh, but I feel like it got to a rushing type of game so early on that it's tough to say. Yeah, he he didn't really end up having much impact on this game, like I said. Um, so let's move on to the next game where... Um, they desperately needed him to have an impact, yeah. and I think he did. But no one uh, on the on the team was was ready to support him. So, um, why don't you go a little bit more into depth on what I'm talking about there? Yeah, this game was definitely one of those where you saw those flashes once again, and despite him not r- really having the talent around him, like PD said, this one he kind of, I guess you could say, put his team on the backpack and. Really, 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 really took over. And this game was the second time I felt like uh, his rushing kind of benefited his, his passing. He wasn't necessarily a huge impact rusher in this one, obviously. Uh, he didn't run a whole lot. But I think the threat of him running impacted the Vanderbilt defense a lot. 
and kind of forced them to always second guess that. And that allowed him to play make and do what he could. And this game, he really showed me that he could also be a pocket passer uh, because unlike any other game, uh, he did uh, kind of sit there and dissect the defense and find the open guy. I will say he, he did have a lot more open receivers in this one, which allowed him to do that. And I guess these are the games which people see and think, okay, when he does get the offensive help, he can be <clears throat> a solid passer. And yeah, very much impressed with this one. He does still throw a pick, which bothered me a little bit, but uh, I don't think that one was as much his fault. Uh, but other than that, impressive game for me. Yeah, I mean, he just totally took over with the explosive plays down the field. Um, yeah, his his team wasn't really up to the task. A number of plays where his receivers let him down either with drops or with miscommunication. So, um, yeah, I was unimpressed by everyone except Richardson on, on the offense pretty much. Um, and, yeah, let, let's let's go to the next game to wrap up um, his season. Uh, why don't you get us started off with uh, that, that game? Yeah, the Florida State game, and I will say for it being his final career game, I guess so to say. I guess at that time they didn't know if they were going to get a bowl game, but uh, given their record, it wasn't a guarantee. I did want a little bit more from Anthony Richardson. Uh, I think uh, FSU's defense was definitely a much better, uh, much better talent than Florida's offense. So I will say he didn't necessarily have the best help around him. Uh, but this can't, comes once again with my consistency versus splash play problem because overall he wasn't accurate. Overall, he didn't have a be- the best game because, you know, as a whole, it, it didn't turn out to be a lot. But, man, did he have those splash plays once again, uh, which carried them in this one. Yeah, I mean, the splash plays are always going to be there. And again, in this game... Uh, a couple of monster big-time throws. He did put the ball in harm's way one time, which was pretty bad, but I I thought I came away from this one um, thinking that he had solid impact as a rusher, and those two explosive plays kind of carried him to um, a not-horrible day as a passer. Um, so, yeah, kind of okay, even though the 33% completion percentage was horrible. Um, the number of plays where his receivers let him down was pretty bad, so um, not too upset about it um and yeah that, that will wrap up our breakdown of every game of Richardson's college career that we saw so let's start with some overarching themes so already we've kind of um shown that kind we of have, dove into it a little bit yeah, yeah. We, we've shown that we have a little bit uh of disagreement here so why don't you kind of start giving some overarching themes that you saw and we can kind of dissect it into different categories like I did last time with Stroud Yeah, 100%. So I guess I'll get started with, uh, I don't necessarily want to get labeled Anthony Richardson hater whatsoever, because I really believe in the boom. And I do think this might be the most boom or bust prospect we've ever seen. And if not ever seen in a while, because I do believe in that athleticism. I see the number, there's numbers for it. You can see it on the field. He pops off the screen when he has those highlight plays. Uh, it's very clear that he's an elite athlete that will, which will a hundred percent translate to the NFL uh, in his early years. He's going to be uh, that guy in terms of just being a freak athlete. So I do believe in that. 
But for me, when you have a freak athlete type of player in the last level, uh, you want to see a little bit more consistency still. Because it wasn't every game he was playing against teams that were significantly better than him. Yeah, being on a bottom tier SEC team is tough for sure because you're playing against a lot of really, really high talent. And yeah, you you have good talent around you, but comparatively to who you're playing, you're an underdog throughout the year. So I understand he was definitely in a tough spot and he will have a lot more help around him uh, on an NFL team. But I still don't think he was getting enough consistency in there for me to, you know, buy into the hype of a top five pick. Because I think, you know, I believe in him uh, to do something, but I won't invest so much in him. All right, let's get into what my overarching thoughts were. And I'll throw in some stats in here as well, just because that's what I do. Um, So... The breakdown for Richardson in terms of accuracy, and I'll compare it with Stroud since he's the guy that we've already talked about. Behind the line of scrimmage, his accuracy, his perfect pass rate was at a 62.7%. That's about three and a half points below Stroud, so clear, clearly worse there. The short passing, that's where it really shows up, um, the footwork issues in my opinion. Um, the short pass, perfect, short pass perfect pass rate for Anthony Richardson is at 54.8%. That was at 60% for Stroud, so a, a massive drop-off there. And the intermediate passing, another clear drop off from Stroud's fifty two percent to Richardson's fifty. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can see that the accuracy um, is pretty poor, and like it's it's going to have a significant impact on, especially I think the play calling at the next level because you're going to not want to call um, the deep pat or the, the short passes for Richardson um, because of the way that he's able to one, push the ball down the field, but two, more importantly, the lack of impact on those short passes. Like if he's going to airmail his receiver a couple times um, per game and the other times he's going to throw a pass that's like a little bit behind him, that's going to allow him to only get like one yard after the catch. Like those passes are going to lead to like five yards per attempt in the NFL or whatever. And that's going to be pretty low impact because of the accuracy. Um so that kind of bleeds into what I'm going to start talking about in terms of what traits I see and um, how they kind of translate. So let's get into the first trait. Um, I think we're in, dis- we're in total agreement here. Um, his athleticism is overpowering and it gives him – I actually think – so you said the boomer bust thing. I think that his athleticism gives him a floor in the league to where – I don't think there will ever be a point where he can't be just like some sort of backup where you can kind of run like a rushing type of offense, um, like maybe the Falcons kind of do with Marcus Mariota, um, that type of thing. Um, th- that's what I was kind of thinking as uh, a lower end outcome for him. Um, and I don't think that it's, it's quite boom or bust, but I think that his, his athleticism raises his floor. Um, and that accuracy kind of might limit his ceiling. That's kind of how I'm thinking of it. Um, so uh, going back to what I was saying with the first trade, um, we're in full agreement here. His athleticism is very overpowering, yes? Yeah. Okay. And then we also agree that his arm strength is is extremely powerful, and he will immediately step on the field with elite velocity and elite max distance, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I believe that. So those two things give him a very high floor, in my opinion. So you can always have an offense that's 
kind of built off explosive plays, even if the accuracy regresses somehow, and he's throwing at like 53% completion percentage or something like that. Um, so let's move on to the next phase um, after the athleticism. Um, let's talk about his feel. So this is this is the most important trade in my opinion. And I think that from the beginning of the year, um, it was it was pretty bad. I think he had a number of plays where he was just kind of not really aware of who is where on the field. But as the season went along, I started to kind of get more and more high on his feel. And I realized that his spatial awareness is extremely good, especially uh, with the defensive line. And that's kind of uh, something that I hinted at with the sub 10% pressure to sag rate. Like he, he's able to avoid defenders almost on command. Um, and while that is athleticism based because he has elite short area quickness, I think a lot of that is the spatial awareness. Um, one part of his field that is very poor, I think, is knowing which types of passes to throw. Um, so he obviously he has horrible footwork. Um, he often um, brings his feet together uh, after dropping back um, and throws from his toes quite a lot. So that's going to hurt his accuracy a lot. But the one thing that kind of um, kind of worries me and I think that his accuracy has like a clear ceiling, even if the footwork is improved, is the fact that he will often throw passes that are poor poor velocity for the situation and what i mean by that is like there are times where he'll throw a screen pass where his receiver is like five six yards away from him like extremely hard and that'll lead to a drop so i'm gonna end up having to count it as like a non-positive or slightly positive play but you know in reality he's responsible for that incompletion and they have to kind of um waste it down based on that um, so that's the part of his feel that I dislike. Um, what, what are your thoughts on his feel overall? And uh, what do you think um, uh, about like each of those categories that I mentioned? Okay. To me, the way I kind of view feel, I don't know how it's traditionally looked at, but the two kind of aspects I look at it is like behind the line of scrimmage, kind of maneuvering in the pocket. And then in terms of decision-making, seeing the field and that sort of field. Right, right. And I think he has uh, kind of varying feels in both of those spectrums. I think behind the line of scrimmage, uh, I do like his feel. He's experienced a lot of pressure in college because, uh, like I said, comparatively talent-wise, the Florida offensive line isn't very, very good. And I feel like he has overall done a good job of being able to avoid pressure being able to get in a position to where he can make the throw and like kind of never really getting off his spot, so to say, because of what the defense is doing as far as the front seven goes. But I do think once he gets to the point, the feel of the game in terms of how he views the defense and breaks down where to go with the ball, I do think that kind of lacks because I feel like early in the play, if you see a big play develop, I think he does have the insane athleticism to get the ball there. But I think once that first part of the play breaks down, maybe the design, uh, I don't see him unless like it's a complete breakdown of the play and he's just running around playmaking. I don't see him being able to just stay in the pocket and dissect the defense and make have that second read kind of feel of the game, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, um, that like that like comes with I, I think the issue there is more reps than anything 
and like mm-hmm. I, I don't want it to sound like the same excuses that were were made for Lance but um, mm-hmm. I think his feel in terms of um, going through progressions and stuff like that is more inconsistent than bad like I thought with with Lance um, and I think that the thing that uh, won't ever be fixed is the kind of way he throws the ball in terms of um, like which throw to use, which club to take out of the bag. Cause he has all of the clubs, I think, mm-hmm. but the, when to use each of those is the thing that I don't think will ever be fixed and it will suppress his completion percentage uh, for the rest of his career, in my opinion. So let's move on to um, the last part of um, the main categories that we've talked about. Um, and that's the polish. And I've already kind of hinted at it a little bit, but just to really nail it down, um, the elements that we're talking about with polish are things like um, eye discipline, footwork, um, throwing motion, uh, drop back mechanics, things like that, that you think of like traditionally that get worked on with a QB coach or in, in practice and stuff like that. Um, and in terms of like eye discipline, like I said, he's more inconsistent than than bad. I think there are moments where he looks a little all over the place, um, but there are definitely flashes where he does go through his progressions and uh, nicely finds the open receiver. Um, the footwork, man, the footwork is, is awful. Like almost once every three or four plays, I will make a note like the footwork is bad here. Like he brings his feet together a lot. He throws from his toes a lot. Um, just none of those, th- those two things mainly, like you don't want to see. Um, and there's a number of plays where he just, his feet are just kind of along for the ride. Like he's doing it with all arm and like throwing on the run for no reason. Um, just a lot of weirdo things with the footwork. Um, his throwing motion is pretty solid. I think it's very smooth, but there are like, th- there are times where I wish he would follow through a little bit more. Um, those are other things that lead to the accuracy issues um, and the moments where he like kind of totally airmails his receiver. Um, I do want him to follow through. And some of that is the footwork too, as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, those are things that obviously he can work on in the league, but um, I mean, some, some of those, some of those things with the polish, like the footwork, I don't think, I think it has a ceiling. Like as much as you polish it, the fact that you've been playing quarterback long enough for, for that to just be, um, your, your baseline. Um, and I know he's a young player who's transitioned to quarterback only four years ago. So maybe I might be wrong, but I do think it's a, it's a significant uphill battle for him to make his footwork a strong point. Definitely. Oh, uh, well, I'll touch on a couple of things real quick. I want to go back real quick to when you brought up Trey Lance and, uh, not that, it matters in terms of Anthony Richardson's prospects, but I do want to drop a little hot take in to do with Trey Lance, and I'll say it here now. Uh, I think Trey Lance will ha- end up having a better career than Anthony Richardson. So I'll let you respond to that real uh, later, maybe, if you feel so, uh, feel obliged to. But in terms of what we've been talking about uh, outside of that, uh, in terms of polish, uh I kind of feel like Anthony Richardson's may end up looking like a Cam Newton in terms of polish, where I feel like both of those guys had such uh, athletic advantages their entire lives. They never really got to a point of having like good footwork, good discipline, and just those sort of traditional fundamental 
quarterback traits because they didn't really have to. So I don't think he's going to be able to learn some uh, and improve on that a significant amount now. And granted, I will say, I think Anthony Richardson at where he is was maybe even a little bit is maybe a little uh, a little bit more fundamentally sound than Newton was at that age, uh, but I still don't know if he's going to change a huge uh, amount on that because he's always been the type of guy to just use his athleticism. So I think if there's no baseline foundation in some of those aspect uh, some of those qualities, uh, I don't think it's gonna be able to be built upon. Yeah, the thing with Lance is like he's missed so much time and like time off is the is the biggest thing that can disrupt feel in my opinion yeah and so 100%. feel is like you don't like uh, i'm gonna use an nfl quarterback as an example here again with with deshaun watson like you can see him like totally having trouble like having yeah, the spatial awareness that. and the reading the defenses was a, was a real struggle for him and the only way to kind of fix that is the reps and lance is just like not getting reps again with the injury and like so so yeah the 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 trajectory for Lance is, is kind of kind of rough at this point, um, but okay. So we kind of have similar thoughts overall. I think on the way mm-hmm. he plays the game, maybe a, a few minor disagreements Absolutely. here here and there about. I like, do have one more thing to ask about if uh, you before we move on. Yeah, go for it. Okay, uh, I was gonna ask, how do you feel about? Uh, the fact that, you know, he's going to be a project kind of guy coming in and early in his career, he's probably going to, you know, sit a little bit and then take some time uh, before he gets to play. And maybe by the time we're seeing a develop Anthony Richardson, it's year three, year four. Uh, at that point, when he's like in his mid 20s, he's starting to get to like probably his the latter half of his athletic prime when we when we're thinking like after his rookie deal do you think his like uh like athleticism dwindling will hurt him as a passer like or or just as a player like long term if you're trying to invest a top five pick in a quarterback obviously like he's not guaranteed to be your franchise guy but that's what you want out of him and if you don't really see like peak level seasons that he could have after a rookie deal. Is it worth spending such a big pick on and investing on him as a franchise quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to answer that with what my next question was. So my, my next question was, what do we think he looks like um, in terms of what he fits uh, with an NFL offense? Like, so I actually think that the best outcome or the best way to use Richardson is to actually not bench him. I think that, his rushing ability provides so much impact immediately that it'll make things easier for him in terms of opening the windows um, that his receivers can kind of run the routes with because of um, the way that the linebackers will have to respect his his run and not f- kind of flow with the run game. Um, and also the way that the safeties uh, have to play closer to the line of scrimmage. So that is, is a very helpful lubricant for the offense. And I also think that um, there's kind of a couple of blueprints. I'm going to use um, the blueprints that the Bills laid out with Josh Allen. Obviously not very successful, um, but the big one that I want to focus on is the the way that the Ravens used Lamar Jackson in 2018. Um, Lamar was a very poor passer as a rookie, especially in terms of accuracy. It was He was just missing throw after throw, really. Um, and 
despite that, the Ravens looked like a very strong offense um, when he was under center. And obviously they ran into issues in the playoffs because, you know, like that, that type of offense will have a ceiling. But I think it is possible to play Richardson and get some value out of him as like maybe a low-end starter type while his accuracy um, is in development. Um, and I, I think that... Okay, so so let's like think about teams, right? So I think if like the Falcons traded up to get Richardson, I think that would be a pretty fantastic fit, right? Um, you have an, an exceptional run game with the Falcons, and their offensive line is amazing, and they could run uh, a scheme where um, where they kind of maximize Richardson's strengths, which are, which are throwing deep off play action, um, running read options, um, and and design quarterback runs on sweeps and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, despite like the accuracy issue, I don't think that, um, the accuracy is so bad that it'll limit, uh, the way that they can play offense. Um, you could also look at something like the Indianapolis Colts, I think. Um, I, I don't really like his fit with Michael Pittman Jr., but I think that the presence of Alex, Alec Pierce and, and his development and the fact that they can put more weapons around him that fit his skill set because they're kind of at a clean slate, um, I think that would be helpful. Obviously, they, their their run game is kind of the focus of their team with with Jonathan Taylor, so that has some synergy there as well. Um, but yeah, I, kind of generally, like I think off the bat, it's possible that he can be a low end starter. And I don't have uh, I don't have a thing where I think like uh, his accuracy is is so bad that it'll take him off the field. Uh, despite the fact that his athleticism is so good. Like, that that's not really where I'm thinking of it. Uh, okay, one thing I will say I completely agree with you on is how you bring Richardson into the league. And I think I can speak out of experience looking at it with Lance because I wanted to start Lance from day one, and maybe that sounds crazy based off how his career has gone so far. But that's always what I had wanted to do because I agree. When you have a quarterback like Trey Lance or maybe maybe not Trey Lance, but like Anthony Richardson, I agree that he's got a baseline level of rushing ability that you can start him right away. Uh, but when I think of the whole boom and bust aspect of Anthony Richardson, I'm not necessarily talking about like uh, whether he becomes like a low-end starter in the league or not. I'm I'm more saying that like I see his career going in two ways. Either he develops his passing game to where it's a relatively accurate level to where it needs to be. He can end up being like a Josh Allen type. But uh and if he doesn't end up doing it, he ends up being like uh I don't know, like you said, a Taysom Hill, Marcus Mar probably not Taysom Hill, but a Marcus Mariota type. Like those are the two outcomes I see happening out of him and I don't really see an in-between because I don't see him being able to like uh have a the anything other than those two scenarios and the problem with that is when I see a quarterback of uh, in that nature uh I want to see something like you mentioned with the development of Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen I do think those are two similar prospects because those two guys were some uh people you started uh, right away, if not like in their first year, and then allowed them to develop their accuracy as they played. Those guys you took chances on, you didn't necessarily take in the top five. And even those guys like Lamar Jackson, 
he showed a lot more than Anthony Richardson did, obviously, in college. I mean, he won a Heisman. And in, even in Josh Allen's perspective, he wasn't statistically uh, as uh, – he was statistically just as bad, I'd say. But he still had a lot more reps, and I think he did have a lot more of those spa- splash plays that we saw all the time. And a lot of these other quarterbacks are having those, like, splash plays more often than, like – uh, how often Anthony Richardson was and a lot less dud games, I'd say, than we saw out of Anthony Richardson. So it's kind of just, if we've seen this before and we've seen their development, why are we thinking that Anthony Richardson will surpass like nobody else has before I, his athletic prime runs out? I, I think um, Lamar and so the thing with Allen is like he's he's better accuracy wise than Richardson and he had an explosive development of his accuracy and in, and now he's like above league average accuracy and I'm not really oh, yeah. suggesting that that would be the greatest de- maybe the greatest development ever in, in quarterback oh. history I could think of like Steve Young like coming off like um being horrible in Tampa and becoming like one of the great primes in in quarterbacking history so so there, there's Okay. So also, um, I wanted to, uh, but I, I really wanted to dispute your point um, about the two outcome, like the binary thing that you were talking about. So I think that there's, uh, there is a range here. Um, but I think that his low end is actually pretty high and his high end is kind of lower than, than what, what a lot of people think. So, um, so let's actually start uh, discussing what we think about the floor, uh, the uh, basement floor, uh, realistic outcome, uh, ceiling, and the sky outcome, right? So basement outcome, his accuracy regresses. Um, the inconsistency that we saw in his processing turns into bad. Um, and he's just kind of like a lower end backup, like, I don't know, like upgraded Tyler Huntley type thing. Um, just not not really providing much impact outside of his rushing and like the occasional splash play, right? That, that's kind of what I see as the worst possible outcome for him, like the zero percentile outcome. I think he will have a place in the league. Um, a realistic floor for him, I actually think that he probably ends up as QB 23, 24 or higher. Um, I think that uh, he will be able to just run an offense um, that's built around the play action and, and the read option stuff and um, – he will always be able to, or at least through his prime, he'll be able to open up stuff for his receivers in terms of the windows that he's throwing into. Um, realistic outcome, I actually think it's pretty good. I think about the 12th best quarterback on average is what I have for Richardson. Um, maybe a little higher, actually. Maybe like the 11th, 10th best quarterback on average is what I have as a realistic outcome. Um, because I think that, um, so I'm, I'm going to use the comp that I that I actually made when I was when I was uh, going through his his film um he reminds me a lot of of Colin Kaepernick the explosive velocity in his arm the the power and the speed um with his legs to just churn out explosive play after explosive play but the accuracy is is very poor and limiting to the offense just like Kaepernick's was um and before Kaepernick kind of flamed out in 2015 um and just like started playing really horribly um, I, I think that he was kind of like that low-end Pro Bowler when the Niners were going to Super Bowls. So that that's kind of where my thought was um, with his uh, realistic outcome. Now, I think Richardson's accuracy is even worse than Kaepernick's, but his athleticism is even better. 
So, and, and there is some of this inconsistent field stuff with, with Kaepernick as well. So that's kind of where my, my mind jumped um, as the realistic uh, comparison. Um, for the ceiling for Richardson, realistically, it's probably around QB5 to QB6, kind of where uh, Lamar Jackson is when he's healthy, in my opinion. Like, if his accuracy can get to where Lamar's is, which is like a couple points below league average still, like that that would be a really, really good development for him. And I think that uh, he would be – he is. I think he's a better athlete than Lamar Jackson is because of the size and um, the power that he has. Um, and he has a better arm, in my opinion. So if he can get there, and Lamar's processing was better, but those advantages kind of uh, make them similar players, in my opinion. Um, and then the sky outcome. Like, I mean, this is the greatest quarterback athlete at the combine ever, right? And so it's not um, the 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 100th percentile outcome for me. He is the best quarterback in the league. Like, um, his accuracy takes the um, all-time great jump that we've seen from Josh Allen, it becomes uh, league average or maybe slightly above. And he's just absolutely shredding people with deep bombs and, and good process and all that. So um, yeah, I, I, the, the realistic outcome, the floor ceiling is kind of tight, uh, a little tighter than I had for um, what I had for, um, and, or for uh, CJ Stroud. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts on all of that? I dropped a lot of stuff there. Um, yeah, that was, that was a big information bomb right there. Uh, yeah, to me, obviously, I said that uh, I really thought there was going to be two uh, outcomes for him. But I do understand uh, why you're coming with uh, a lot of different outcomes for him. And I kind of get what you're saying now. But to me, the way I was looking at it is I do ultimately think, like I said, with this athleticism, that he is going to end up being like elite in the NFL out of the gate. And that's something that is going to carry him to be able to even play early on. Uh, but I think with his passing, you kind of just get two things. It either develops or it doesn't. And to me, if it doesn't develop to a good margin, uh, to what he was in college, and it's kind of similar where he's on a bad team maybe, and he's facing tougher opponents, and he's kind of just like subpar accuracy throughout his early years. Or does he make like a leap maybe after a year or two where his accuracy does come into form, and he starts to be someone who can attack you in two different ways, maybe in what was something similar to what we're starting to see with Justin Fields where he's finally starting to kind of put together like uh, something uh, that would be kind of a baseline margin of what I'd hope for Anthony Richardson, or we could see something even more with like a Josh Allen. But I think there's really two ways in which his career trajectory as a whole goes. And to me, it's more likely to the left side because of how much I've seen him rely on his athleticism in his college career, because I do like the fact that you brought up Colin Kaepernick. A lot of these names that we've mentioned, like let's say Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, jo Josh Allen, quarterbacks, we've thought took this same career path, even like going back to Steve Young. They all had a bigger body of work in college. Like even going to someone like Kaepernick, he was a four-year starter at Nevada, even though he was like uh, still a very, very much a project player at the time. He had played all four years. We've seen a ton of reps on him. 
Uh, he might have had a lot more flaws than Anthony Richardson because he wasn't as athletically gifted, but ultimately we didn't view him as like a high-end prospect despite him having a very long body of work and a lot more explosive plays than we've seen out of Anthony Richardson. And you can say the same about any of the other prospects we've mentioned. I've gone over it with Lamar and Josh Allen and whatnot. And even Cam was a national champion. He was a great college player as well. So the thing with Anthony Richardson is, like, I just didn't see that watching his college footage. Like, uh, obviously, with all of those other guys, you saw the flaws, but you saw the explosive plays a lot more and even more often, I'd say, for most of those guys, which made them such a promising prospect. With Anthony Richardson, it's literally just combine numbers that have kind of inflated the actual, like, athleticism gap we've seen on the field. Because to me, he's going to need, like, a really, really high-level leap in his throwing ability to what we've seen in college consistently uh, for him to be able to hit that high-end outcome of being a franchise quarterback and elite quarterback for a team because ideally that's what you want out of a prospect like him to hit that high-end outcome and uh, or, or just being a high-level quarterback that can run their offense uh and if he can't hit that uh if he can't hit that in a consistent level in college uh for like a very short body of work uh how are we supposed to expect him to make the jump into the nfl kind of like we saw with lance because I know I have a lot of praise with Lance, and that comes a lot with bias, but we really have not seen it with Lance, and it very well could be a similar case with Richardson. Yeah, quick dispute with what you said. I'm being a little ticky-tack, but um, Cam Newton only did have one year of massive body of work. That was the 2010 one, where he was obviously a much better college quarterback than than Richardson is. Um, So... It probably ends up being a moot point, but I just did want to clarify that. Um, the thing with the thing with Richardson is like I totally agree there, where you said it's going to take a lot for him to become an elite quarterback because the value of accuracy is is really really high. Um, the accuracy literally just it allows you to add versatility to your offense, and um, the way that Richardson will have to play is only one way. He will play um, as a actually very versatile in the run game uh, but he can only play one way in the passing game and that's off the play action and throwing deep balls with high frequency because the short accuracy it's just very futile to yeah it's just futile to go through that as as a mode of offense so that that kind of and, and although it is the most efficient uh part of the field the deep ball it is high variance because the receivers need to be good at tracking and um, the quarterback's accuracy as well can can vary because it's a tough throw. So um, that being the main source of the passing offense is tough. But what I will say is that I think that the athleticism gives him a very uh, reasonable floor because that, that one way to play, it will be kind of static. Like his rushing impact, I don't think can be doubted. And his passing impact is the thing that's kind of having questions. But the, the way that the play action game uh, he can take advantage of it is 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 pretty pretty impressive in my opinion so that those two things being there give him a reasonable floor and the the, the level that uh, he gets to will depend on how consistent he becomes with nailing those reads and 
um, how much he can improve the short accuracy. Now, the fact that he's coming from such a low bar as for the short accuracy um, is what gives me pause from saying he has an incredible ceiling. And that's why I kind of went with only QB six as, as a ceiling um, as a realistic ceiling. But um, the fact that um, he's got so many immutable traits, that's, that's kind of what makes me a little higher on him uh, than you. Cause I don't think that the NFL is like, uh, I think the NFL is too smart to let a quarterback like him fail. That's kind of what I'm thinking. They're not going to ask him to throw three-step drop, five-step drop um, on 70% of his passes or whatever. Like, I think that the NFL is too advanced to kind of let him fail. Um, but I do think that, like, um, the the difference between his ceiling and his floor could be determined by the uh, receivers that he kind of plays with. So that, that, that range that I mentioned of, like, QB 24 to – QB six is the ceiling and floor. Like I think that that's kind of the range that I'm thinking about. Uh, well, one thing I want to talk about is I think overall we kind of are just like looking at the way we're like looking at QB outcomes uh, differently. Cause you, I think the way you're looking at it as like uh, there's different, like ways his career can go because of the way he pans out in certain aspects. And because he has so much rushing upside, he'll just be able to play right away. And then either he uh, develops into like an insane player with a lot of accuracy or like somewhere in between is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I kind of get that. Um, yeah, we're just going to end up with, with kind of different uh, ideas about him, but we do agree on, like, the makeup of his game. We're, we're kind of running uh, a little bit long on time. So that will wrap up what we have. Um, again, uh, I I think Richardson is a strong prospect and will have a, a decent career in likelihood. Um, but he has some doubts on the way that he could develop and how, um, how the different – set of a couple of outcomes could um, influence his career. But um, we went as in-depth as possible. Uh, any last words that you want, buddy? Uh, yeah, just before we end real quick, I want to say, like, I, I also don't want to, uh, once again, want to say I'm not an Anthony Richardson hater. I do think there's a chance he hits that high-end outcome and could be a great quarterback. His athleticism is out of this world. But – and maybe just flashbacks from having Trey Lance on my team these last two years that has worried me about this type of quarterback. Uh, but I just think it's a bit too risky for how high he is. I think he's definitely a great player and is worth maybe even a second or low-end first uh, where he was mocked for most of the year. But because of the combine and because of recent hype, he's kind of been blown up to look at this, look at this top-end high-end prospect. And I just don't think he's that, and that's about it. All right. Make sure to leave a like, uh, subscribe, do what you need to do on whatever platform that you're listening on. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter, actually. I forgot all this time to mention that. <laughs> follow me at PD34 underscore on Twitter, um, and follow Buddy at Real Rahul Potty too. Um, that'll be all for us for this one. That's all for me. That's from, from Potty. Thank you, guys. See you guys next week with the Bryce Young episode. Let's go.
Hopefully we plug that Twitter at the start next time. <laughs> oh yeah, I got you. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Thank you. Guys. Yeah. <laughs>